Welcome to the Naked Wellness Podcast. As a qualified nutritionist, I'm here to strip away the nonsense and get down to the bare essentials of nutrition and wellness. Join us as we debunk myths, chat with top-notch experts, and serve up practical tips that will leave you feeling empowered. Get ready to uncover the naked truth about living your healthiest life. Let's undress. Welcome back to the Naked Wellness Podcast. Today I'm super excited because I'm doing another episode with James. We did do one together before. I think it was almost a year ago now. So I'm excited for him to be back because I've had a few conversations lately with people around having an unhealthy relationship with food and the impact that this can actually have on relationships. So we've been together for seven and a half years now. He's been there through the thick of my unhealthy relationship with food and he's also obviously been there now that I have a very healthy relationship with food so I'm excited for our conversation. Welcome James to the Naked Wellness Podcast. Thank you very much for having me KJ. <laughs> We're making a rule, no accents on this podcast. No accents? I'm just kidding, we can have fun, that's fine. Well, <laughs> as per the um, last episode that we did together, James has no idea of the questions that were sent in, but I did do a poll on my Instagram and I did get some questions, which is super cool. Okay. So I'm going to fire them at you. And yeah, I was just told to sit down half an hour ago. <laughs> so half an hour warning. I was actually shirtless before this. I ran, ran upstairs quickly, grabbed a shirt, came downstairs to do to answer whatever questions have been thrown my way. Literally. And we're just going to be real honest raw vulnerable with the journey that i went through and the impact that it had on us and your take on the whole thing as well so without further ado let's just dive straight into it if you want to know my own journey with food i have done a full episode on this which i can link in the show notes for you as well so maybe if you don't know that you can go listen to that one for a bit of background story but the first question is for you james and it is did james know that you had an unhealthy relationship with food and if so what were the signs that he picked up on look the thing is when you're when you're in that environment it's really hard to tell i didn't have the knowledge i have now i mean being around michaela for quite a long time you kind of pick up on certain things and i know a lot more about you know food stuff relationship with food health stuff now than i did back then so at the time i just thought it was really frustrating i kind of thought i just honestly thought most girls went through that kind of stuff. Oh, most girls wouldn't eat this. Most girls wouldn't eat that. Most girls wouldn't want to do this. Most girls wouldn't want to do that. So, I mean, it was frustrating for me at the time. I didn't know looking back and be like, I can be like, oh yeah, of course the signs were all there. But at the time it was just, I thought it was, I mean, at the end of the day, Michaela was a nutritionist then and still is now. So I just thought, okay, she knows more about this than I do. She's probably doing this for a reason. Uh, so I, it was frustrating for me. It was annoying, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say I knew she had a, had to heal her relationship with food. I knew she had a problem. I knew she had issues with certain foods, binge eating, whatever. I didn't know that at the time. So when you say things were frustrating, what are the signs? Like what things did you find frustrating? Oh, so many things. Like for example, <laughs> we'd go to the supermarket and all I wanted was like a nice beef lasagna, but no, it had to be this lean minced turkey beef salad or something like that. Or um, Michaela would get really nervous about eating with my parents at my family's house. So it would break down in tears and would be in my bedroom and she'd be crying about, I, I don't want to eat whatever's going to be prepared. I don't know what's in it. And I'd be like, it's okay. All we got to just go out there. And she's in my bedroom crying with my, you know, in my home bedroom with my, you know, back, back home where I grew up at my parents' house. So just things like that. There's all these different things that kind of would pop up 
and that I would say that that were, was frustrating and not being able to eat out a lot of times you mm. wouldn't for example I, I would I just love smashing a burger but I could never ever go or even consider going to eat out at a burger restaurant with Michaela or grab a burger for takeaway or uh, go to any any restaurant that Michaela hasn't checked the menu beforehand and has made sure that everything on there is healthy and um, and she could eat so those are the things I found frustrating was I guess limiting what I could do and it was limiting the enjoyment that we could have when eating out or eating certain food or eating at people's houses and things like that. Yeah, I definitely had a lot of fear foods and food rules in place, foods that I wouldn't allow myself to eat, foods that I felt like I didn't have control around, and I had a lot of rules around the times that I could eat, what I could eat, and it did, it impacted us actually being able to go out and enjoy a dinner out, meals that I didn't just freak out over and I mean we're definitely exposing me in this but I think it's good because so many women feel the same and so many of my clients before they first started felt this way too and so you're not alone in it either and you know I have told so many of my clients this story but I will never forget the day that we were in the supermarket and I cried like I actually cried because they were sold out of turkey mints you know, and oh, for me, no, that, was a, that was a turning point because I was like, okay, this is just food has so much control over me, right? And that's not helpful for anyone. And it was, yeah, taking us away from actually being able to just have fun and enjoy our time together. How the next question is, how did my struggles with food, or like I said, your struggles with food, affect our communication and our emotional connection? That's a deep question. It is, isn't it? Whoever asked that, <laughs> I like it. Um, I think, I don't think it affected, I mean, I don't think it affected our communication or anything like that. I think you would shut down all the time and you, you would say, I don't understand. And you would mm. burst into tears when you wouldn't, food wouldn't go your way, if, if you will, or uh, something like that. And I don't, yeah, I don't really think it affected our emotional connection. It was just a lot more emotions to deal with. Mm. And, uh, I think that I am pretty good most of the time with dealing with emotions and helping calm you down and kind of working with you and not, you know, kind of slamming the door, walking out, mm. like, why can't you blah, 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 blah. I think I'm pretty good. So I think I'm a patient person. I was okay. There'd be a lot of emotional moments around food because of food, whatever. Uh, and most of the time I could deal with it fine. So I don't think it really affected us at all. It was definitely hard to be around at times, a lot of the time, but I think it comes back down to patience. I was relatively patient, so it was okay for me personally. Yeah, I agree. I think our communication has always been one of our strongest suits in our relationship, so I don't think it really impacted that. And I'm very, very good at communicating to you what I was experiencing and what I was fearing. I guess with the emotional connection side of it, when you're going through this, you do feel really alone, like you feel quite isolated in your thoughts and you kind of feel like you're the only one who's experiencing it, which can be really, really tough. And so... I know a lot of my clients have experienced this as well, where when you're feeling it and you have somebody like a partner in life who has always had a really healthy relationship with food, you almost feel like they can't fully understand and they can't either. Like you you actually don't know what it feels like to experience that fear around food because it's something that you've never experienced. So you can try and understand how it might happen um, or how we might feel, but yeah, you never will. And that's okay as well. And I think this is where communication is actually really important and actually letting your partner know that this is something that you're struggling with. And this is something that you are working through so that they can be patient. They can support you. They can try and help you through those really emotional times. 
Mm. I mean, it's better than kind of shutting down, bottling yeah. everything up, taking everything on your own shoulders. And then all of a sudden you've got a problem that's started at a one out of 10 problem. Now it's a 10 out of 10 problem. And, you know, and then your partner finds out about it when it's a seven out of 10 or an eight out of 10 problem. And it kind of shit hits the fan and it makes things a lot worse than they ordinarily could have been if you just tackled it and been honest and open at the start. Yeah. Exactly. The next question kind of leads on from the first one, and it was, were there any specific events or occasions where my unhealthy relationship with food significantly influenced our shared experiences or activities? Uh, Too many to count. I think I already, I'm not going to go into too much depth because I already think we covered that a fair bit, but there was just a lot of, a lot of occasions, social occasions, going out, eating out, we couldn't eat out too often. We couldn't get takeout too often. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. the general ones, I can't, I can't remember the specifics. It was a while ago. It was what, a couple of years ago now. Yeah. So I can't remember too many specific instances, but I'm sure there were plenty Heaps. of them. So, like date nights were limited because I was afraid to eat out. Um, like, uh, like we addressed the emotions and the emotional roller coaster that you can sometimes go on as well. I think one of the other things that isn't spoken about enough is the lack of energy that you also, you actually have when you have an unhealthy relationship with food. Because your mind is so preoccupied with food, you struggle to be present, but also you struggle to have energy. So when James wanted to go and do activities, I didn't actually have the energy to do the activities, like go shoot basketball hoops or, I don't know, go skate like skating skateboarding like random things like that and i'd be like oh i just i can't because my mind was either thinking about the next meal or the next snack or the fact that i was hungry or i'd just been i just overeaten or i was just so physically depleted because i had maybe restricted myself and i didn't have the physical energy and part of me always felt like i wanted to be able to go and do those things i was like i want to have the energy to do this but i couldn't and I found that really, really tough. And I found that definitely, and now living the life that we live where we are traveling the world and we are exploring and doing fun things and we eat out (laughs) multiple times every day, which is to me crazy that this is the life that we're living now. And I had the energy to do these things or when we lived in Queensland, go boogie boarding or surfing, that kind of stuff. That's fun. And to me, it makes me so happy that I've gotten to a place where I can enjoy those experiences together. Mm. And I feel like it it brings us closer together as well because we let our inner child's out. <laughs> oh, my inner child is always out 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah, that's display. so true. Also, it doesn't mean it's always easy though. No. Like, yeah, you, you went from eating out once a week or so to well, maybe less than that to twice a day. Oh yeah. It's not an easy transition. Absolutely. And I was actually having a conversation with one of my clients about this this morning is I do not believe that that voice inside your head that uh, criticizes what you're eating or that ever 110% goes away. I just think that you learn to turn the volume down on it and you learn how to build a toolkit that you can navigate whenever it decides to pop up because it will pop up and it sometimes still does pop up, but I never entertain it turn the volume straight back down and move on with life and keep living it mm. the way that we are. For sure. Yeah. I mean, in my uninformed, uneducated opinion, <laughs> I guess I see it as being more a, it's not a binary. It's not a one or zero. It's not black or white. It's not, do you have a good relationship with food or do you not have a good relationship mm. with food? It's to what degree? Mm. Like how, you know, some days are going to be worse than others. Other days, you know, you know, might, you might have some little things, some little food rules, uh, it's not perfect. It's not yes or no, bad, good. Uh, so it's going to be different for everyone. But I think, as you said, if you can kind of get those tools in place to tackle things when 
when things pop up, there's always going to be things for most people. I, I don't know the statistics, but I'd say most people have some food rules. I know like thinking back to my childhood, I've never really struggled, I guess with, I've been lucky enough to never really had to struggle with any serious food things, but everyone has food rules. And looking back to my childhood, there's always things like, <laughs> I definitely under ate as a kid, first of all, but I always thought like, I could only have one sausage and bread at a sausage sizzle. So I'd go to school, my friends would be eating two or three, but I don't know why I'd always eat one, no matter I was in like, yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, year six, I'd still only eat one little sausage. Um, pieces of pizza, I'd only ever eat three pizzas, pizzas on a big day and normally two. So we'd get like a family size pizza to share growing up and then would order, you know, just one pizza between four of us. So there'd be like two pieces each. Uh, and so when I met Michaela, she'd go and smash a whole pizza. and I'd be like, whoa, a whole pizza. <laughs> and then I, my stomach was the weirdest thing. I couldn't eat a whole pizza. I could only eat like three pieces, <laughs> max four. This is when I was like 20, 22, 23, 24, 25 years old. And then over time I've, I've learned to be able to eat a whole pizza, <laughs> but there's just small little food rules that I think are in everyone's life that might creep into play some worse than others. I think some maybe more damaging than others might be a better word. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so this is a reminder that if you eat a whole pizza and your partner doesn't, it's totally fine. You can eat more than your partner. There ain't nothing wrong with that either. <laughs> the next one kind of, I guess, is much the same as well. In what ways did my unhealthy relationship with food influence our daily life and routine? I think probably more in the sense of that I'm just so structured and type A and that kind of fueled that paired with my unhealthy relationship with food was like we have to get up and exercise at a time we can't do anything until we've had x for breakfast if there's no of these if there's no food options on hand that i specifically want we have to go and get that otherwise i'm not eating you know like i just think it was so structured and so to the t that there was no room for flexibility or for spontaneous activities yeah I mean, you kind of took it to the extreme as well. It'd be like, we have one brand of yogurt in the fridge and you know, you would be like, I'm not eating that. I need my specific, yeah. this brand of yogurt. And I'm like, bro, they're the same. They're so similar. Why not just for one day compromise? And you'd yeah. always be like, nope, I need it. So then we'd have to go to the supermarket or you either wouldn't eat breakfast. You'd refuse to eat breakfast or lunch, whatever meal it was, or we'd have to go to the supermarket to get that specific brand or specific brand of peanut butter or specific brand of other things. There was no flexibility, no as you said. It was so rigid all mm. the time, having to stick to exactly these foods and you couldn't stray at all. Mm -mm. Yeah, and that's time consuming. <laughs> to have to go to the supermarket multiple times a day, but also like, it's okay. Life is, it's okay for things to be unknown, unexpected, for spontaneous things to pop up. Being flexible has allowed me so much freedom in my life. Mm. Yeah, flexibility. Yes. Not easy. Sometimes you struggle. Yeah, a lot of the time. I you think forever I'll struggle because I am type A personality, and it's a work in progress. I do love my structure and I love my routine. I don't think there's anything wrong with no, being organized. I don't like, think so either. Not at all. But you have to allow some flexibility. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got no choice. I mean, you do have a. It's always a choice. But if you want to be a pleasant person to be around with friends, family, other people, you have to allow some form of. Hmm. You have to relinquish control at some point. Yeah. Some things aren't going to go exactly to plan and you have to be okay with that. Otherwise, you'll become a nightmare to be around for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you already are a nightmare to be around for everyone. Oi. Just kidding. No, that's so true. And I think then on top of that as well, letting go of control, and this is something I've worked on in the past two years a lot and still trying to work on as well, letting go of control and letting somebody else do things their way you can't let go of control and then try and control the way that somebody else does something and are you speaking to me right now yeah 
<laughs> just for some context she always asks me to do something i'll say oh can you sort out this for me and i'll be like okay okay and then she gets mad at me the next day when it's not done i'm like bro we're still four weeks out let me do it my way my yeah. pace but yeah or like in the sense of food as well and i know that some people might be able to relate to this is if you let somebody else pick where to eat and you're not happy with it like that's you have to just be okay with it as well and i think last night perfect oh, example yeah, perfect right example. James chose the restaurant that we went out to for dinner and the food options weren't amazing. And what did we end up rating it out of 10? It was like a 4.5 4. 5 out of 10. So we're not the best restaurant. And if this had have happened previously, I probably would have cried. I probably would have, there's nothing on here. We have to go somewhere else. I can't eat anything. But last night I was like, that's fine. We're here. We'll just order something like, and it was fine. We got through the night there was, and we just had fun, played some pool. Yeah. And that's cool. And Can I just be clear? I didn't actually look at the menu beforehand. <laughs> I didn't choose this terrible restaurant. Well, I, d- I, I did choose it, but I saw it on a list of Uluwatu in Bali, Uluwatu's best restaurants. So I was like, oh, we got to go there. Didn't turn out to be very good. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. We're flexible like that now. <laughs> yeah, we're flexible. We can eat bad food now. Not everything has to be a 10 out of 10. No, exactly. That's so true. The next question is, how did you navigate being a supportive partner while I was dealing with my food-related challenges? Ooh, first of all, the question is, was I a supportive partner? That's back to you, Kaylee. Yeah, and actually, you know what? On that as well, somebody did write in and said, what do you feel you needed from James back then as well? Which I kind what, of leads on to that. As okay, well, do you want to start supportive. with that one? Or? Well, this made me think of that the other question that's on there as well, because in all honesty, I think you... When I think look back on it, I think you gave me everything that I needed. You gave me space, you gave me support, you gave you listened to me, you were you gave me tough love when I needed tough love and you just like snap out of it. But then you on times that it was really tough, you also allowed me to feel my feels and gave me that extra kindness and support that I needed as well. And so when I look back on it, oh my god, it kind of makes me emotional. I think you did. You gave me everything that I needed. Look at that. Perfect person. What can I say? I'm just kidding. But I don't know. There's always more you can do, I think. Yeah. I didn't know much about it at the time. Maybe if I knew what I know now, being around you, it might be different. I might be able to do things differently. Uh, But I didn't know anything. I was naive. I was probably the average person, the average partner out there, I guess, boyfriend out there. who, And I guess a lot of guys struggle with with uh, food related things as well, but I can only speak from a guy's perspective, dating a female. So that's what I'm going to talk about. Uh, I guess a lot of guys out there in relationships, they might not know anything. So they're probably going to be in similar positions to what I was in then, not what I am in now with my knowledge. Um, So yeah, I guess I think given the knowledge I had at the time, I think I did okay. But once again, there's always more you can do. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think for you, it was about being okay with the times that you did give me tough love that I might have not responded well to it in that moment Mm. and might have absolutely hated hearing the tough love, but it's exactly what I needed to kind of be like, oh, when I put this into perspective, it's actually not that bad or Mm. I'm going to be okay. It's okay to go out for dinner and not have control over what I choose to order, whatever the situation was. I guess that comes down to knowing your partner and and how best to communicate with them. Like a lot of the time you, if I just kind of listen, understand, and uh, kind of agree with what you're saying, it'll be fine. We'll keep the peace. But 
I know a lot of the time you just keep getting stuck in the same loop unless someone kind of snaps you out and gives you that tough love. Not in a mean way. I'm not, I'm not saying anything mean. I'm just kind of being like, look, can I tell you the truth? Can I tell you what I really think? And I just, and she'll say yes. And I'll just kind of go for it and, and say what I really think, or just maybe use a bit more stern tone of voice or something like that. But most of the time it's pretty measured and collected and mm. well thought out. I don't mm. just speak. I typically think. Mm. Yeah, that's an important one. Shifting gears a bit, I guess this is more going to a bit more the positive side of coming out the other side of this Wait, do journey. Do we want to answer okay. that other question first? Remember we skipped around? Oh. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, but how did you navigate being a supportive partner? Oh, yeah, okay. We kind of, did, we kind of answered that. Yeah, I think right. we answered to both of them. What were some of the signs that you noticed that my relationship with food was improving? Good question. I mean, the first one is definitely when we kind of started to be able to incorporate incorporate more meats into mm. our diet. And when I say that, I mean, there was one point where Michaela went fully like no meat at all. And then she went just turkey mince. And then it went so long where she was scared of beef. Like I remember one time you weren't, you weren't vegetarian or vegan or anything like that. You were eating meat, but you, it had been so long since you'd eaten red meat yeah. that you came to my house and my mum had made us, uh, I think she's made like, spaghetti bolognese with like beef obviously and Michaela I think you were like I think you were crying before you eat, mm, and you were so, so scared, scared to eat the beef like petrified to eat this this meat because it had been so long so I think to answer the question I think it was when you started incorporating red meat chicken um pork even other, all these different meats into back into your diet and you weren't just restricted just restricting yourself to just really lean I guess I don't know why but you ate those meats, but you know, high protein, low calorie kind of mm. meats. And that was one thing. And then maybe having a bit more freedom as to where we eat mm. and like what restaurants we eat at. And it's okay to eat at a, a random restaurant that we found on the street, walking past <laughs> on the street one. We don't have to vet everything on Instagram and spend four hours looking for a restaurant every night before we head out. So yeah, I think when you started doing more of those things, that's when I was like, okay, Things are getting better. And it was a gradual process. It wasn't like an overnight click. Mm. It was uh, over the period of months, if not years. Yeah, absolutely. And then energy. Energy, yeah, definitely. It's a big one. Like you have a lot more energy now. Obviously, being a female, your energy comes and goes in waves, yeah. depending on what part of your cycle you're in. But for the most part, I think you're, there's a big difference in your energy, going mm. out, doing activities more. It used to hit like 5 p.m. and used to be exhausted, never want to do anything, just want to stay in. And now I think you can have a little bit more fun. We don't go to bed late by any means, but have a bit more fun in the <laughs> evening, shall we say, before before your bedtime at, at 6 p.m. True. I'm just joking. It's like 9.30ish, 9 Yeah, I am a bit of a grandma at heart. I'm dead early. Based on our experiences or our experience, what advice would you give to other couples facing similar challenges with one partner's relationship with food? Mm. I guess I can't speak for others that I don't really know who they are, what they are, but I'll kind of give advice based on my own situation. I think it's important to be patient, yeah. really patient and understanding. Don't get angry with your partner for doing something. Don't get angry with them if they binge eat, like what, what the heck's getting mm -hmm. angry and, and scolding someone gonna do. Um, be understanding, be caring, help them 
seek help. You're not an expert. I wasn't an expert. Michaela actually was an expert. Well, she became an expert in it. I guess she wasn't a nutritionist. Uh, but don't try and fix them yourself. Help encourage them to seek help mm. from someone like Michaela or, or, or a dietitian or a nutritionist or someone who specializes in helping people heal their relationship with food. And then be supportive on that journey. Don't, if it, I guess price is a big thing, but you can't really put a price on long-term health, happiness, and giving someone the energy to actually live their life, which can have so many positive consequences, benefits, I should say, in the long run. So, you know, yes, it might be expensive. It might be $500,000, but is that $5,000, are you going to stop your partner from, you know, making a $1,000, well, however much it is, let's just say, let's just say $2,000. Are you going to stop your partner from making a $2,000 commitment, which will change their life, improve your relationship as a positive side effect? Are you going to stop them because it's $2,000 that you might put towards a house or might put towards... A holiday or something like that i just think a lot of partners from what i've seen aren't they say they're supportive but you know they're supportive as long as it doesn't involve any money being spent mm. so i think you've got to invest in the right person to help your partner get through this and you've got to be supportive of that journey yeah that's important it's crucial and i know so many of my clients who do have really really supportive partners and it's so wholesome to see them be able to communicate and share this journey that they're going through and be so open real raw vulnerable and their partners being there every step of the way i love mm. it the last question is if you could tell that younger version three pieces of advice what would they be the younger version of james <laughs> mini james or mini kj mini kj all right so i think it's for me to say the pieces of advice i'd give them i mean you could give me some advice on a younger version too <laughs> no no go for it <laughs> And I should have thought about this question more or prepared something, but I think probably the biggest piece of advice would to, I think because I was studying nutrition at the time and then I became a nutritionist and yes, I was in amongst the Weight Watch as well, but I felt a lot of shame for what I was going through. I felt like I should know better. I should be doing better. I should be like, I studied this sort of stuff. And it wasn't until I found a statistic about the amount of dietitians and nutritionists who actually do have an unhealthy relationship with food and disordered eating behaviors that I was like, okay, it makes sense as to why it's so big in, in that world, because the stuff that you learn at, at university can be a lot sometimes. And some lecture that you can get can definitely demonize food groups, but I definitely felt a lot of shame for a long period of time. And so I think one of the pieces of advice that I would give to myself back then is to open up and to go through the journey so much easier and to trust the process like it's going to be hard there it, it's not going to be easy there's going to be some real low low moments but there's always a light at the end of the tunnel and you have to see it to the end and trust the process because i guarantee you there were so many times that i wanted to chuck the towel there were so many times that i wanted to read down my fitness pal re-download my fitness pal track my calories again there were times where i wanted to go back to being vegetarian and not eating red meat there were times where i didn't want to have dessert anymore like through the journey, there were some really hard moments, but trust the process, get to the other side. And if nothing changes, nothing changes. And I think that's my second piece of advice. You cannot expect a different result by continuing to do the same things again and again. And as I always say to my clients, that is literally Einstein's definition of insanity. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to change, you actually have to take a different path to get there. Mm. Too true. My yep. third piece, I actually don't know. 
feel like the support that I had around me was really strong, which is really powerful. And I'm forever grateful for that. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, go for it. That you talked about the support around you being strong. What if somebody didn't have a supportive partner around them and they were struggling? Yeah. What would they do? Reach external, reach out for external help. I have, I have had clients and still do have clients who partners aren't the most supportive or aren't on that same wavelength. Yeah, it's difficult, but doesn't mean that it's not achievable and it's definitely not impossible for you to still get to the other side. And if that's the case, I would 110% get support, reach out, even, even just having somebody else there that you know, that knows that you're going through this can be so incredibly beneficial and helpful. Mm. Not everybody can have that amazing support and that's okay as well. It doesn't mean that you can't not still have food freedom and control back over food. Mm. Cool. Any other questions for me? No, that was all the questions. I feel a bit emotional. (laughs) Me too. Maybe I've shared a tear. Yeah. I mean, this journey is not easy for anyone, but if there's one piece of advice that I can give somebody listening right now, it's to actually start this journey towards having food freedom because getting to the other side is so fucking worth it. I would do it a thousand times over to be where I am today. Mm. There is no way I'd be able to eat multiple times a day if I still had the relationship that I did or the delicious desserts that we get whilst living here as well. Mm. And staying, continuing to go on crash diets or restrict yourself or not actually change that journey and path forwards is only keeping you stuck. Yeah. I feel just uh, expanding on that point. Mm. I think a lot of people wait for the perfect time. They go, I'm too busy right now. I am. And this goes for everything in life, not just healing your relationship with food or stopping binge eating, whatever. I think that a lot of people try and wait for the perfect time and they come up with reasons or excuses as to why this is not a good time, whether that be, you know, healing relationship with food or starting a business or, um, I don't know, having a kid, whatever. But a lot of the time there is not going to be a perfect time. You know, I don't know the exact quote, but something like the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The second best time is now. The longer you put it off, the longer it takes for that tree to grow, if you will. So I feel like, you know, when it comes to healing your relation with food, a lot of people from what I've heard, a lot of the objections is, oh, I'm too busy right now. Mm. Work's so busy. I'll I'll focus on this next year or next month or whatever. But because it's busy is why you should actually do it now. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, sorry. Yeah, because it's busy is why you should do it right now. Uh, because if you can do it whilst you're busy, if you can learn how to, you know, put the tools in place or put the strategies in place that will help you to overcome binge eating now when you are busy, then when you're not busy, it's going to become a heck of a lot easier. It's going to be a breeze. And then in the future, if you are busy, then, you know, you've already learned to do this when you're busy in the past. Whereas if you flip the script and say, okay, I'll do it at the perfect time. And, you know, when money's right or when I've got enough time and then all of a sudden you you learn in these perfect conditions, as soon as you're thrown in tougher conditions, you become busy or whatever, then shit's going to fly out the window because you don't have your perfect conditions anymore. Mm. It's almost the excuses that people make a lot of the time is actually why they should take Mm. the action and do it now. Yeah. 100%. If you, yeah, if you want the results, you have to actually put yourself on the journey to get there to those results. You have the choice. Both are hard. It's hard to say where you are right now. It's also hard to start this journey and, to 
start to achieve food freedom and put yourself outside your comfort zone but which end result would you rather choose your heart basically pick your heart pick your heart and that's what we're going to finish on that note i will add links in the show notes so if you're new here head over to my instagram which is kj wellness with three s's send me what your key takeaway was from today from james and i chit-chatting away because as always i love connecting with every single one of you so head over there um otherwise thank you so much james for coming on to this episode at short notice and having all the questions fired at you i really really hope that someone takes something away from this or you take something away from this knowing that you're not alone on this journey and that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And if you currently know somebody who is struggling with it or with their relationship with food, send them this episode as well. Otherwise, I will chat with you all in the next episode very soon. Until then, you take care. Bye. Bye.